Hello everyone, welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana and today we're here with Nicole Carrier from Throwback Brewery. How's it going? Good, hi Chris. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming up and bringing beer. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, just so you guys can see, got a nice little beer right here and there's another one. <laughs> it's awesome. So tell me a little about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders and owners of Throwback Brewery. We're in Northampton, New Hampshire. We got going... Gosh, it's been like seven plus years. Wow. Uh, one of the first small nano breweries in the state, um, brewery number 13. There are over 75 breweries now. Yeah. This has been like a crazy ride, not just in New Hampshire, but across the country for the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, we're pretty unique. We have um, not only a brewery and a restaurant, but also a 12-acre farm. And we source about 50% of the um the produce for our kitchen from our farm oh wow yeah and uh we are also pretty unique in that we try and get everything from within 200 miles for the beer so a lot of that is trying to get malt that's um that's malted within new england and using ingredients from new england as well okay uh, okay so there's a lot there to go over yeah there's a lot yeah so because i'm I'm from Manchester, okay, where yeah. I kind of do my thing, and there's a lot of little craft breweries spurring up yep. everywhere. Yep. So, but you guys are way earlier than that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, in fact, like, I talk to, I'm the president of the New Hampshire Brewers Association, so I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of brewers, and it's funny, um, a lot of them have indicated, you know, they definitely watched what we were doing to yeah. see if it would be successful. Um, and if the model that we started with of having a small nanobrewery with a tasting room uh, would be able to be something that was sustainable. So, um, yeah, I mean, things have changed a lot over the past yeah. couple of years, but it, it, we still feel like a relatively new business, but there's so many more new businesses out there yeah. than us. Yeah, because... That's actually pretty common what you were saying, where you got like the brewery and you got a little tasting room up front. Yeah. That's kinda what I see a lot. Are you guys in like your own little industrial complex, I think, or do you have your own standalone place? Oh no, we have a farm, a full farm of twelve oh, acres. So yeah. Okay. Um we started in, in a warehouse space yeah. seven years ago and then we this gorgeous farm uh, came up for auction. It's just a quarter of a mile from where we started. Yeah. And on our fourth birthday, we moved in there and opened the restaurant. Wow. So we started with a three-barrel system, moved to a 15-barrel system. But no, yeah, people can sit outside. And, like, today's a gorgeous day, right? Yeah. Sit outside in the beer garden. Um, we have uh, goats. We have donkeys. We have chickens. Um, we have geese. Um, so they can – kids like to come and see the animals, yeah. and it's a pretty unique experience. That's really cool. And you're right, that is – I haven't heard that anywhere in the state yet. Yeah. It's probably because you guys are so much further along. Um, so what's it like having, I guess, all of this running out of a farm? That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it is it's, – it's cool. Yeah, it's just – well, it's funny. Like, I we would never have jumped in and done this all th- – basically three businesses. I mean, technically it's yeah. two businesses at the same time, but – um, we got the beer thing kind of nailed down and then we added the food thing and it wasn't until the past two years that we've really been going in earnest with the farm. Um, and I think the key thing for us is just having really strong leaders leading up every area. So we, yeah. Chris is our lead brewer now and Carrie is, is our chef. And then now uh, we have Katie and also Jen like heading up the farming. So yeah. when you have good people in place, it makes it a lot easier to, to do yeah, things like that. Definitely. So... Okay, so I'll start with the restaurant. Yeah. 
I should probably start with the bureau. I'll say that for now. Yeah, okay. So, so is it a fully functioning restaurant like you would see just out and about? Yeah, yeah. yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, uh, we have everything from, we make everything from scratch except for like the, fr like if you get regular fries, like we make our own sweet potato fries and the ketchup, yeah. but pretty much everything is made there. We make our bread, for example, um, we make it using the spent grain from the brewing process. Um, we make all of our like aiolis and dressings and every all our sausage, like everything we make from scratch. Um, and it's been, um, yeah, we sell more food than beer. So it's a real, it's a real restaurant. Wow. Um, you can get cool. anything from like a pickle plate with vegetables grown like on our farm to uh, the local catch of the day. Carrie, you know, gets a text from a fisherman and says what, what he has available. And that's typically the catch of the wow. day to bur we have a throwback burger which has been our best seller we have wings but they're korean wings a little bit different we make our own cookies using spent grains to get like an ice cream sandwich for dinner or our um our pastry chef has been making seasonal tarts recently so yeah whole like and there's kids options like uh grilled cheese or peanut butter okay. and jelly stuff like That's that cool. yeah. and, all, and you said everything's pretty much made from scratch mm -hmm. so yep that is a really unique approach to something that probably can't be done in a lot of places <laughs> yeah well it takes a lot of time and yeah. effort and skill and also dedication to wanting to, to do it because it is much easier to have and cheaper to have a cisco truck <laughs> or some truck pull up and like unload a bunch of food pre-made food um but i don't know i think part of the reason why we have people that keep coming back and back is because our food tastes so fresh because yeah. it is made fresh like yeah. every day. So. That's really cool. All right, so let's jump onto the farm. Yeah. So it's a working farm. Yes. Um, you say you make pretty much everything for the restaurant from the farm. Mostly. Which well, we last year is about fifty percent okay. of the produce. Um, this year we have yet to run the numbers, but we had so many bumper crops of like strange things like husk cherries and cherry tomatoes and. We had tons of tomatillas, and so we put up a little farm stand, okay. <laughs> so people can come in and and eat, like get beer to go, get stuff from our farm stand to go home <laughs> as well. That's yeah. really, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Girl <laughs> um, was going with that. So I'm just saying, just the workforce alone to run the farm is that pretty complicated? Or? Um, we just um, it's like it's pretty much like the restaurant where we have yeah. to. It's a seasonal business, yeah. obviously, so we have to staff up in the summertime, and okay. so we'll get a whole bunch of other extra hands, part-time farmers that come in, um, but we're used to doing that with the yeah. front of the house and the restaurant anyways. It's pretty cool. I like it. That's really <laughs> awesome. I'm just, just thinking about your business and how interesting and unique that sounds, and so let's get on to the, the big part that I reached out about, which yeah. is the beer. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like kind of what you uh, what you guys like to put out and all that. What what kind of beer we make? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, uh, we honestly like our whole mission is just like use brew with what's around us, yeah. um, and we don't brew a specific style, um, but we tend to like beers that are um, like clean, um, finish a little bit drier. So we have everything from like. We do a Bohemian-style Pilsner. Um, one that I brought here is the one with <coughs> jalapenos. So we do our Pilsner. Oh, yeah. Then we get jalapenos from New Roots Farm, and we roast them, and then we put them in the secondary. So it's basically when you take a sip 
or even before you take a sip, you smell it and it smells like this bang of fresh jalapeno, not just pepper, but like fresh jalapeno pepper. Um, and we try and make it so you get that kick, but it's not too spicy yeah. and it pairs. We all love to eat really well. Yeah. A lot. So it pairs really well with food. Um, it's yeah. one of my favorite beers to pair with food. Like if you have sushi or Mexican food is really popular. Um, pizza. A lot of people I know cook with it. So they make cornbread and put the jalapeno pilsner in it or chili, okay. stuff like that. But yeah, so you do everything from pilsners. We do some fruity beers. We have a barrel-aged beer series. Our best-selling beers are hoppy beers. Um, we started getting into sours. So Cheek Squeezer, the other one I brought, is a kettle soured Blondale with tart and sweet cherries. That's in our top five sellers. And then we do a ton of dark beers, too. Yeah. We were originally known, I think, for our dark beers when we first got going. Because Annette, my co-founder, and I like really love dark beer. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's we've now we sell more hoppy beer, but I think that might be people's taste preferences have evolved since we've opened. Yeah. As well. Okay. So I, I don't know when when I first saw this one, I'm like, I don't know a whole lot of beers with jalapeno in it. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if that's a common thing, or is that no? Uh, we're the first around here that I've <laughs> known of, and there's been a bunch of breweries that have tried to do similar, well, beers with peppers. Yeah, um, I haven't had all of them, um, but I don't know. That's one of my favorite beers. Yeah, like it sounds that really we good. Do. That's what yeah, I love jalapenos and spicy stuff. Yeah, so the minute I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's going down <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Okay, so what's it like running all of this? So you said you are the, the co-founder, so you have yep, a Annette's, Yeah, Annette is the the engineer side. Mm -hmm. I was going to say nerd, but we're both nerds in like different ways. She's the engineer nerd. And when we started, she was responsible for all of um, brewing. She still is, but it was just her, right? And then it was me doing the, the marketing and um, like social media, technology, more business strategy type of stuff. And then um, over the years, as we brought more and more people on, um, I've tended to focus more on like business strategy and marketing and still a lot of the social media technology yeah. events, stuff like that. Annette is still responsible for brewing, but like her role is she does a lot of the problem solving because <laughs> things are always breaking or you know there could be other issues that come up and she just has that brain where she can help fix things um she has a lot of other stuff but i like to call her the chief problem solver because that's like her biggest asset yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well it's always good to have someone like that around yeah you know, someone who's good with the marketing and then someone who can just fix stuff yeah yeah <laughs> it, yeah and sometimes it's like people problems and sometimes it's things are broken which happens a lot and sometimes yeah. it's like the brewers can't figure out why something's not working and she'll just be like they'll work on it for hours and she'll be like what about this they're like oh yeah you know so it it's good <laughs> yeah that's right um so i was actually i was speaking to a mead company in manchester the other day oh yeah and one of the jason or yes yeah I think, i'm pretty sure something yeah. like that. <laughs> um and one of the issues we talked about was when you use you know kind of produces and stuff from yeah. the area you consistency kind of becomes a oh, thing yeah. we're trying to get yep. consistent. Is that a problem you guys run into too? Or are you pretty good at, you know, all your beers are generally stay the same? Well, um, so a lot of 
if we do one of our straight up beers, like our our um, Pilsner, for example, yeah. we get Pilsen malt from my cousin Andrew, who runs Valley Malt. They're the first small malting company on the East Coast, and she's been doing Pilsen malt for like eight nine years, and it's pretty consistent. And she yeah. tends to use the same type of grain. Um, we've just again on the grain thing because we use we were using local Munich malt and we got it from another local place and it just tasted different so even on the malt level things can taste a little bit different um we get people talking to us about the jalapeno pilsner as an example they're like oh last time it was too hot for me or like this time um i don't get enough spice and first of all everyone's palate is is different yeah but we don't taste every pepper, and if it's a really dry season, for example, the peppers are hotter, and we always put like ten pounds of peppers yeah. in. Um, and so, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where things can vary. The nice thing about having a brew pub is that if something is a little bit different than our core recipe, like we can say we can rename it if we want to, or you know, so we have so many new people coming in that we'll it's a you know it's not like differences in the core ingredients make it bad it just makes it slightly different yeah. you know than sometimes the desired is but um if it's a great product we still sell it yeah. people happily consume it oh i'm sure yeah. they would <laughs> yeah i mean i've drinking beer that's awful just because i want to get drunk oh. <laughs> <laughs> back in my earlier years right? yeah so yeah i guess yeah. that's funny <laughs> um I had another question. I forgot what it was, though. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, so how often do you guys come up with, or are you like experimenting, come up with new tastes, new uh, flavors, all that stuff? Yeah, we do that fairly often. Um, And it depends on what, like in the summer, we do this series called Hop and Summer Series, where we do four different beers that are, um, have some sort of hop component to it. Um, so this year we did a, um, a Brute IPA, which is a newer style of IPA, and that was actually in collaboration with our solar company. Yeah. Um, and it was called Enjoy the Sun, and proceeds go to Southeast Land Trust, New Hampshire. Um, we were approached by the Black Ale Project, um, which Dave Pappas started um, to help um, breweries make black beers that some of the proceeds, or however much the brewer wanted to donate, would go to a veteran's cause um so we just did a black kolsch um for that and um we always have this series i might rename it this year but called unafraid of the dark and we've been doing it for seven years and we do one brand new dark beer like every two weeks january through the end of march um that's been a lot of fun for us and then all the stuff in between that we just experiment with and a lot of those experiments have become beers that we do year round. Um, So for example, we did a beet wit once for one um, restaurant and one event and people kept talking about it. And so now it's amazing how many emails and social media (laughs) requests we get for the beet wit. So we've been doing that for the past, I think like five years. Oh wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I thought. So I was speaking with, was it, uh, Michael Hopley Pierce. I don't know. If you know yeah, him, yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about kind of the, what he saw as a possible bubble in you know there's a lot of breweries coming yeah. out now and um, do you see that causing any issues down the road? I mean, because you've been established for a while. Yeah. Do you think like the constant new stuff is helpful or? 
Um, it's interesting because I don't. I think there's still growth in the market. Yeah. I just think it's different than it what it used to be. I mean, I think at earlier on there was opportunity for brewers to start and become regional brewers really quick, like mm-hmm. the like um, Newburyport or Smutty Nose type of thing. Okay. Um, and then it's been the proliferation of nano breweries. And if people want to just have like a one or two person gig where you're selling most of it out of your tasting room and right to your surrounding community, I think there's always going to be a need for that. Like people are looking for, um, or a re- like having that same model, but more of like a restaurant like we do. I think people are, you never hear people say, oh, there's like too many restaurants or, oh, there's too many wineries. And there's, you know, there aren't as many breweries as there are restaurants or wineries yeah. yet. So I still think like if people take the model of, I'm going to put my roots down and be community oriented and serve food and be a welcoming place for my community to come in. I think that's a, that's what we've done. And it seems to be a model that has worked. Um, I think where I'm not, it'd be interesting to know what Michael said, but um, I think where the competition is, is for shelf space. Cause once you have so many more, like the amount of different beers out there, I wouldn't want to be a beer buyer nowadays. I think it'd be (laughs) completely overwhelming. And, um, but you're competing for tap lines and comp- competing for shelf space. And that's also, m- if you distribute or you sell wholesale, then you're not keeping all of your margins. So I think that's a model that's going to be tough if that's a model that businesses start and only rely on that yeah. model. Right. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So people want to learn a little more. Um, come and see uh, where they where they yeah a couple things they can check out our website throwbackbrewery.com it lists not only a location which is seven hobbs road in northampton new hampshire but it also lists we always have events going on live music we have cribbage tournaments we have book club we're doing uh, like we always do something the end of october like a halloween harvest Fest. Uh, we do pig roast. So if they want to check out what we have going on, they can go to our website or follow us on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And it's throwback without the vowels. So it's T H R W B C K. Or Facebook is just throwback brewery. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the, the most easiest ways okay, to find cool. us. Yeah. And uh, I know you had mentioned earlier, kind of before interview, that. Wednesdays or like your Mondays. So what are your hours typically? Yeah, our hours, the restaurant is open Wednesdays 4 to 9. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then Sunday, 12 to 7. Okay. Yep. Cool. And that's on, if you Google us, we always keep the hours updated on Google or it's right at the top top of our website. So people can always check to see if we're open. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Awesome. Cool. Thank you guys so much for watching. Definitely check that out. Um, And I will talk to you all later.